What is up, team? Welcome back to the show today. Once again, I am joined by Coach Andrea for a Q&A. Andrea, how's your week going? My week is going really well. Not a ton of um, out of out of the routine stuff. So just chugging along. How about yours? It has been a pretty good week. What um, dropped to a new low of one eighty three. So officially down what I think it was 198 when I started with the Brandon. So we're down to 183. We have a date for the photo shoot that is going to be Tuesday, October 25th. So a couple days before we go to Hawaii. So it's really cool to kind of be, feel like I'm kind of wrapping everything up there. Um, Very, very happy with how it's gone. I feel like this fat loss phase as a whole has been definitely like a lot easier than last time I was a lean. And again, I think just having so much structure on my day to day and making sure I'm hitting my micronutrient needs, not playing the flexible dieting game as much, but rather just really focusing on making sure that I'm fueling myself. I'm hitting my micronutrition needs, like hunger. It's crazy. Honestly, the difference between like this fat loss phase versus last time I was this lean, I remember just feeling so damn hungry all the time, but I was consistently like, Okay, I'm going to try to make pizza work in my macros. I'm going to try to make all these other foods work in my macros. And there's there's nothing wrong with that. Like we encourage clients to have some flexibility. But if it's something you're doing like every day and most of your intake is like quest protein chips and protein bars and like we're not focusing on some food volume and again like our micronutrient density, it, it does make such a difference. And even similarly like how I felt in my training this time I was a sling versus the last time where like making sure I'm really prioritizing my peri-workout nutrition and not like sacrificing food there so I can like work in a glass of wine later in the day, which again, like there's nothing wrong with that. And a lot of our clients do that in a fat loss space, but especially like with me being as lean as I am right now, I'm just making, making my food and again, my micronutrition much more of a priority. And it is cool to see like how much of a difference that has made. So I'm stoked on how things have gone and it's kind of crazy. We still have another month yet. I'm really excited to kind of see the end result of that, but yeah, um, I feel like it has been a good week, been a busy month for us bringing on new clients and I'm so stoked on uh, all the clients we've been working with. I feel have just been so in alignment with kind of uh, as a whole, like what our mission is, what we talk about, like love nerding out over these aspects of training and nutrition and kind of getting deeper and really focusing on education. So that's been super cool to see as well. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, like the hunger that you had last diet versus this diet. Um, it made me think of something that I've been talking with so many clients lately about is we always have clients pre-plan their full day of eating, um, and like really encourage that as a routine. And, um, one of the, the like secondary benefits of that is the next day, you're not thinking about food all day. And I feel like that makes such a big difference with hunger is like, you already know what you have to eat for breakfast, lunch, dinner, post-workout, whatever. And you don't have to be thinking about it all the time. And when you're in a fat loss phase, that's like the last thing that you want to do is just dwell on what to eat all day long. So that makes a difference. That's, that's such a good insight where again, like the idea of almost like a flexible dieting meal plan. I think for most people, as we discussed many times, like it is so easy to try to be too flexible. And that's even similar. Like last time I went from 200 to where I'm at right now, it took me like six months. And I think Brandon and I have done this in a matter of like two and a half months now. And it's again, because I was, it's just been so much more structured where it's like, Hey, on the days where 
I don't have like these high emotional value meals. Like there have been a couple of times where like I've worked in a dinner out with Katie and even then it's been like, I've had some sea bass and like a glass of wine or two, but for the most part, it's just been like, Hey, I know these foods fuel me well. I know this is how I hit my macros on a training day. This is how I hit my macros on my rest day. And I know on both these days, I hit my micronutrient needs as well. And I just rinse and repeat those days on days where there's not like a high emotional value <laughs> event coming up. And I think for most people like that and just getting fat loss done sooner rather than like, instead of it being a six or seven month process, we make it a two to three month process. I think for most people, if you're just willing to buckle down for a couple months, honestly, like in the grand scheme of things, it just sucks so much less than if we like try to play the flexible dieting game too hard and just drag it out indefinitely. Yeah, for sure. Cool. All right. You ready to get into these questions? Yep. Okay. Um, I'm going to kick the first one over to you. Thoughts on CrossFit? <laughs> uh, thoughts on CrossFit. So it depends on what you're doing it for. Uh, it can be fun because there's that competitive aspect to it. And a lot of people like specifically ex-athletes are looking for something that they can compete with um, once, you know, college or high school or whatever is over with. And so if that scratches that itch for you, then that can be maybe a bit more fun than uh, running races or something like that. Um, for physique, I think that if you're new, it can take you a little ways. Um, and then usually for most people, it's not going to get you all the way to what you're looking for. Um, but if you just want to like lose a little bit of body fat, have some fun, uh, improve your cardio system a little bit and, and like meet people. I think that it can be great. If you really just want to be working out so that you can improve your physique, I think there's a lot easier ways to do it that don't have the, um, the downstream effects. If you're like under eating, under fueling along with the CrossFit. So absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I was just having a conversation with a new client about this yesterday. Actually, we work with a lot of women who come from a background of, and on the initial call here so frequently, man, I train so hard. I track my macros so consistently. I want to build as much muscle as possible. And I don't know why I haven't been making progress. And then when digging a training, it's, oh, well, I just stopped CrossFit in the last few months or I'm still currently doing CrossFit. And that to me is such an exciting thing because from a training perspective, that tells us there is so much low hanging fruit left on the table. Um, so as you said, like there's absolutely nothing wrong with CrossFit. I think it's great from a community perspective. It's something a lot of people enjoy. And I do think it gets a lot of people into training very consistently. And if that's what you want, that's perfectly fine. But I think if you are someone that's looking to build as much muscle tissue as possible, we definitely have better options. So when we're getting into like, or what most of our clients are trying to achieve, which is adding a significant amount of muscle tissue to your frame um, within that, if we look at what does it take to stimulate new muscle tissue growth, right? The training stimulus is very important. It's not just a matter of like we're eating in a slight surplus in order to build muscle. The training stimulus is also very important. So what we have to understand is for your glutes to grow, for example, your glutes have to be put under a significant amount of tension. And we have to, like with any movement that we're training, we have to take them to the point where that muscle tissue is a couple reps shy of failure before... Uh, or to actually like achieve enough stress on the tissue to stimulate new growth, right? So if we are like doing deadlifts or like the, the issue that comes up with CrossFit is a lot of the movements. So first think like a barbell back squat, 
a barbell deadlift. These aren't necessarily bad things, but the thing to understand is a lot of times, like if we're doing a high rep set of barbell deadlifts, or like doing an AMRAP set of barbell deadlifts or the, the exercise selection as a whole, a lot of times it is like, Hey, the thing that caused me to stop that set of barbell deadlifts wasn't all this tension in my glutes. Maybe there were some, maybe we felt like a bit of burden or a bit of tension, but the thing that actually caused me to stop this movement was I felt like my lower back was about to give out and I felt a lot of stress there, right? It wasn't the fact that my glutes were very close to failing. Very similarly, if you're like doing a front squat and it's again, like maybe I feel a little bit of burn in my quads, but the thing that actually stops me, causes me to stop the set is either like the time expired on the set or, um, again, it's more like my core, my midline giving out. Right. And very similarly, when a lot of it is like, Hey, we were trying to complete this in X amount of time. Oftentimes the thing that's actually causing you to stop the set is either a, like literally just your time expired for this. Oh, uh, B you hit like the prescribed rep amount. So again, let's say it's like you were doing an alternating, like you complete 10 reps of whatever movement. And then you go into like 10 reps of a, toes to bar or 10 gallons on the assault bike or something like that. Typically people aren't considering, okay, on that 10 reps, how close am I to taking the target tissue to the point of failure? Or again, very near to that. Or again, are we just kind of arbitrarily stopping because we hit our rep count or because time expired and I'm supposed to move on to the next movement. So again, like the thing to understand there is when we're talking about these, this idea of getting close to failure, this is again, this theory of effective reps, which is basically the last few, the last few reps from failure are going to be the ones that are by far the most stimulative for muscle growth. So within that, we're really missing out on those effective reps, which are going to actually cause the most muscle growth. And very similarly, finally, when we are just doing things to like, try to beat the clock, almost always it's again, not actually like in those back squats, in those deadlifts, it's not actually, or whatever movement it may be, it's often not actually your, again, the specific tissue that we're trying to create tension in that's failing or getting close to failing. It's oftentimes your cardiovascular system outside of everything else we've discussed where you're just gasping for air you're winded. So again, we can't apply the amount of tension that we need to really achieve those effective reps. So there's a lot left on the table as far as muscle growth goes. So again, like very similar to, or to kind of echo what you said, I don't think there's anything wrong with CrossFit at all. I think if it, if you enjoy it, it gets you training consistently. I think that's great. Um, and it can be great from like a conditioning perspective and you definitely can build some muscle within that. But if you're in a place where I've been doing CrossFit consistently, I hit my macros super consistently and I'm still not building muscle tissue. We probably have a better option from the training perspective to build more muscle. Does all that make sense or anything to add to that? It, yeah, that makes sense. I, I think the problem comes in where people don't really care about being the best at CrossFit, being the best at exercising. <laughs> they just want to, uh, actually like improve their physique and they go there for that because they've seen like their friend that looks great that does CrossFit. Um, but there's like just such an easier way that is less prone to injury and, um, potentially a lot more enjoyable <laughs> depending Absolutely. on what you like. <laughs> Absolutely. It's, we help a ton of people make that transition. And I also, that's something coach Natalie on our team is incredible with. That's kind of her background as well. She was a previous CrossFitter. Um, and really, I think she does an incredible job kind of guiding people into more of the physique focus, the more aesthetic focus style of training as a whole, just a more effective approach when it comes to building muscle. Okay, cool. Um, question wise, what do you got? If you overconsume calories, but improve micros and food quality can health markers improve. 
It depends, I would say. Um, if you overconsume calories but improve food quality and micros can help improve. Yeah. I would definitely say, like, if you're deficient in those micronutrients, absolutely. Right. So that's that's largely gonna depend. And I mean, the thing here is like, even if let's say we were deficient in one, so this is very much an it depends question because on one end, if you you could we could see some health markers improve and some health markers decline, right? Let's say you were deficient. Yeah like zinc or selenium or something of that nature, like we could see some health markers improve, but if you're also accruing body fat, then, and that's also going to depend, it's largely also going to depend on how lean you are, right? Like for a short period of time, what I would say is like, if you weren't consuming as many micronutrients as you needed, um, let's say you were again, just at a healthy body fat for a period of time, we probably would see an improvement. We would definitely see an improvement in your health markers. If it was, Hey, we were deficient in these nutrients before, we have more micronutrition, like better micro, micronutrient status now. So within that, we would see some improvement in health. Now, over time, if we started to accrue more and more body fat, I would say as a whole, that would be a net negative. Now, there's for sure a period of time. There's a time and a place for sure for us to be in a calorie surplus in a building phase. But I would say like if we're in a place where we're already hitting our micronutrient needs, which is very much something we prioritize with clients, um, and we're just adding more micronutrients on top of that, Again, if there's not a deficiency there already, we probably wouldn't see any improvements from it. But on the flip side, like if you're a very lean person past the point, like if we're dipping to the point where we're basically just like at essential body fat levels, probably will see some improvements specifically for women, right? If we are so lean that it's messing with like sex hormone production and things of that nature, like adding back, like being in the calorie surplus and adding back a bit more body fat will be very, very beneficial. So I think it depends again on like what's your micronutrient intake looked like before, where your current body levels are, and also how long we are in a surplus. Any th additional thoughts on that? That was exactly along the lines that I was thinking. It's going to be kind of like it, like you said, it depends on your starting point and how lean you are to start with. It depends on what you're deficient in and like how many of those gaps you can cover with the increased micronutrients. Um, so it most likely like for the average person is going to be kind of like a one step forward, one step back situation. Yeah. But yeah, it depends on a lot of different factors, like you said. But I also want to make sure there people aren't taken away from that, that they should be scared to enter a surplus, right? We talk so much specifically for women, how important a building phase is for improving your physique in the long term, right? If we're giving your body more fuel, we can add more muscle tissue to your frame, which yeah. at the end of a fat loss phase, like following that will significantly improve shape again like most people want more muscle and muscle in itself has so many additional health benefits that it's definitely not to say that there's for sure a time and a place to eat in a slight calorie surplus for a long period of time right a lot of building phases can last like six to ten months so there's de it's definitely not to say there's not a time and a place for that but I don't consider that over consuming though because because the question was like if you over consume and oh, so i would okay. imagine if it, like putting you into a very slight surplus and training and like focusing on building muscle that I, I just don't think that that is over consuming. So like going That's like true. well above and beyond that point is what I'm thinking of as over consuming. Okay. I think I misunderstood the question then. Yeah. As a whole, I would say I would just try to hit your micronutrients and avoid like quote unquote over consuming. Um, I don't know if I have much else to add there. Yeah, I don't either. All right. Next up I have is nutrient timing. Perry workout 
nutrient timing slash peri-workout nutrition important during deloads? What do you got for us? I like to maintain that just because it, I don't see a, a benefit to rocking the boat with your routine on your meals um, during that time. But I, I'd say that it takes a little step back in terms of importance, but it's those. So with, with peri-workout nutrition, we're going to keep most of our carbs pre and post pre during a post-workout. Um, I think that there is still more of a benefit to keeping them pre during a post-workout than there are like, say like backloading them for that one deload week, uh, for whatever reason. So I, I like it most of all, just to keep the habit, but yeah, I, I still think that there's a slight benefit. It's just not going to be as much of a benefit as it is during a regular volume training week. Yeah. I think within that protein spacing specifically, like to build or maintain muscle tissue, we still want to make sure we're stimulating muscle protein synthesis about four times throughout the day. So basically we want your protein spacing still spread relatively evenly across four to five meals or meals and snacks across the course of the day. If we're looking to make things optimal within that, I personally don't think the carb timing is as important. I agree with what you're saying where like, I don't know if it like from a mental perspective, if it is like, Hey, I want to take, like, I want to use this deload. And also I want to really be able to like add more carbs to dinner tonight. Maybe I am having like a more flexible meal. I think that's perfectly fine. And if it's like in a situation like that, where if we're taking a traditional like Renaissance periodization style deload, which I would say on average, people tend to need like every three to four months. Um, Within that, I would say probably about three months is pretty average. 10 to 12 weeks is typically what I see. Um, But it also very much depends on how frequently you're training. I wouldn't say that applies to someone that's training three days a week or less. But within that, again, like it's not going to be a big deal if we don't have as any carbs pre-workout, for example, right? Like you typically, that's a very, very easy week of training or a relatively easy week of training. So still, it's not going to like your training performance isn't significantly going to suffer. I, again, don't think that there's, I wouldn't try to deviate a huge amount from just the normal structure we have. But also if it's a situation where like, Hey, I want to save these carbs for later. I think it's a much less important variable then than it would be during the rest of the mental cycle. Yeah. Cool. Um, last question I have, how do I learn to figure out my own macros through different phases? All right. So when we're talking about the different phases, um, here we have, of course, we take clients through many different phases. We have building phases, maintenance phases, reverse diets, fat loss phases, health phases. So within that, honestly, I think the best way to go about this is to hire a coach because the reality is we can give, and we have many blogs. I'll link up a blog in the show notes called the complete guide to nutrition periodization, which really takes us through the benefits of all these different phases, how we set our macros and things of that nature. But the reality is Nutrition is something that's very individual, right? Like when we're in a building phase and we're looking at what's your eating pre-workout, for example, what's your rate of gain is, right? How much fat we're adding versus how much muscle tissue we're adding. I always tell clients in our our initial call, hey, we're not going to perfectly nail your protocols right out of the gate. This is kind of our best educated guess as far as where we start. But so much of this is looking at your biofeedback. Hey, how's your training performance? How's your recovery? 
How are your stress levels throughout the week? We're going to be adjusting things based on that. How are we seeing your logbook change? What's your pump like within these movements? What's the disruption like, right? Like there are so many individual factors that we're adjusting nutrition around that we can't say like, hey, these are the exact numbers that it is going to be for everyone. Now, what I'll say is again, um, within that, it will largely come down to protein is for the most part going to stay pretty similar across any of these phases that we're working through, right? So typically we're going to want to aim, depending on the client, we're going to want to aim for somewhere between 0.8 and 1.2 typically pound or grams of protein per pound of body weight. And that's going to be a pretty consistent thing, no matter what phase the what phase we're in. From there, as far as fat intake goes, typically we're going to want to look at having a floor, like a low, a minimum of about 0.3 grams of fat intake per pound of body weight. But past that point again, like there will be situations like in a photo shoot prep, for example, where we may occasionally have to push a little bit below that intake. On the flip side, there may be situations like health days, or if we're trying to improve insulin sensitivity with a client, where we might actually push that fat intake a little bit higher, but largely... I would say the fact that we're largely manipulating is going to be carbohydrates, right? So within that, I mean, basically then we're looking at, again, setting to really simplify, we could look at setting protein and fats at around those threshold targets and then manipulating carbohydrates, right? So we know in a fat loss space, Hey, we probably want most individuals losing about 0.5 to 1%. Of body weight per week. So if you're fat and your protein intakes are close to those threshold targets, then it's primarily increasing or decreasing carbs to see you losing at that rate. And like a health phase, we want to more or less see maintenance, a health phase or reverse diet, a reverse diet, we will expect a little bit of weight gain, but after the first couple of weeks, we typically want to see weight maintenance as well. And we're trying to, again, typically ramp up carbohydrates and we're typically adding in a bit of fat, but it's going to be more carbs normally than fat that we're adding back in to again, just kind of see you maintain same thing goes for health phase, but we're also looking at things like, Hey, how are your hunger levels? How is your energy? Again, is your training improving and health phases, reverse diets, um, health phases specifically, like what's your stress management like? Things of that nature are very much what we're adjusting this around as well. And then in building phases, again, we do want to see a slow rate of gain. Now it doesn't have to be anything crazy. It can be like 0.2 to 0.4% of body weight per week. And then we'll extrapolate that across the course of a month. But again, somewhere around like 0.5 to 1% of your body weight, depending on how conservative we're being in the building phase is... I would say 0.5% of your body weight gain across a month is a very, very conservative intake. But again, it's going to depend on the client. Are we seeing a little bit more recomp? Or is it like if you're building phase where we're kind of past the point where we could see recomp? So honestly, I would say those are kind of good starting points depending on what phase we're in. But also what I will say, I think a lot of people spend literally years trying to read different blogs, try to listen to different podcasts, and understand how can we best apply this when the thing you have to understand is it just depends. I think the quickest way to do it, to actually understand it, is just learn, work with a coach for three to six months. We'll educate you on every aspect of this. And then we'll be in a much better position in the future to understand how to manipulate this on your own, understand how to interpret your own biofeedback, how your training is going, how you're recovering, how we adjust this around your life stressors and things of that nature. Do you have any other thoughts on that? I agree. I 100% agree with the the quickest route is hiring a coach and learning from them. Um, if you really would like to experiment on your own and like like the question um, said, learn how to 
uh, adjust calories for different phases. I would try and get a home base of maintenance first and foremost, just to like, just like Jeremiah said, set your protein, set your fats, and then fill the rest with carbs. And I also, um, especially if you're lifting, wouldn't be afraid to kind of like bump that up a little bit over time, push the envelope and see if you can maintain on more than you think that you can. A lot of women specifically can actually eat a little bit more than they think they can and still maintain weight. And they've just never increased their calories to see if they could. Um, so I would, I would start there, find a really good baseline with maintenance, because that's kind of like, like I said, your home base. And then from there, um, if you want to go into a fat loss phase, you're decreasing. If you want to go into a build, you're increasing. Um, so yeah, but, but easiest route and most efficient is definitely hiring a coach to guide you through that. Cause that's going to be much more specific to you and your needs versus reading a blog. Absolutely. Although that blog is great. So t- give it a read first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Shout out to that blog. Again, I'll link that up in the show notes. And also if you want to apply to work with our team, um, the link to the coaching application is there as well. But as far as questions go, that is what we have for you guys for this round. Do you have anything else that you wanted to add to this podcast? No, I don't. Perfect. All right. Then as always team, we appreciate you guys giving us a listen and we will catch you all next time.